case you haven't been around the last uh, what, three or four weeks or so, we've been talking about eternity. We've been talking about the future, particularly the life after this life, and how important it is for us not just to have an earthly perspective, but an eternal perspective. Some of you might remember that we used Francis Chan's illustration of this rope. Notice how this rope goes up into the balcony in, in an imaginary way. It, it just goes, continues eternally. Um, that, that represents eternity. And this little part right here represents your life here on this earth. Really puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Just to think about how short this life is in comparison with eternity. That's why it's so important to have a focus on eternity. And then we've also uh, done this where we, we gave the difference between an earthly perspective, an earthly view of life alone, and one that's also eternal, that's heavenly. And a heavenly perspective is, is something that helps us to have a better earthly perspective. We know that there's more to this life than this life. There's more purpose than just getting up and going back to bed and, and being born and then dying and all of those things. And so we have this focus on eternity. And the scripture that we've been looking at on this next slide is... Uh, is 2 Timothy chapter 4. I need to get my slides situated here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, that says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. And this is definitely a, a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. Uh, that is being talked about here in this very first verse of this chapter of 2 Timothy. And last week we began to talk about how important it is for us to know who the human author is. We know the Holy Spirit gave us the Bible. He gave it to us through humans who were inspired of God to write down the words of God. And, and it's important for us to know who this particular author is of this particular passage of Scripture. Because this is the Apostle Paul. And it's not just the, a person named Paul. It's somebody who operated in the ministry of an apostle. And we learned about the apostle Paul, that he was, not only was he an apostle, but he was surrounded by prophets. And we looked at that passage of scripture in Acts chapter 13, that says that in the Antioch church, there were, there were prophets and teachers. And so, we know that there were apostles there because Paul himself was an apostle, Barnabas was an apostle, so we already know that the apostles were there, but it identifies that there were prophets there and teachers. And it's important for us to think about that because it's really through apostles, apostolic ministry, and prophetic ministry that we receive an eternal perspective, a heavenly perspective. All of the word of God is prophetic. All of the word of God is apostolic. It's prophetic in that it's saying what God is saying. It's apostolic in that it's seeing what heaven is, what heaven's about, and bringing that to the earth. And and so you've got this apostolic nature, this prophetic nature of the scriptures. But we also have those leaders in God's church that are involved in apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry, and it's through them that we hear from heaven, that we see the pattern of heaven, and know how to live this life. In other words, that we receive an eternal heavenly perspective from them. Now I'm going to make a difference between certain apostles and prophets and, and other apostles and prophets. 
There's one category of apostles and prophets that we call biblical or you find them to be in the Bible. You read about apostles and prophets in the Bible. But how many of you know there are apostles and prophets outside of the Bible? Like every generation, God has raised up apostles, prophets. In every generation since the Bible was completed in its writing, there have been an apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry. So we need the apostles and the prophets of the Bible, but we need the apostles and the prophets of every single generation. Now, I just kind of reviewed the last few weeks. And, and whether you were here the last few weeks, you're here with, with us now, and not having been here the last few weeks, hopefully we're all on the same page right now as we go another step forward with the teachings that we've been talking about. So you've got a necessity for the ministry of the apostle, the ministry of the prophet, and again, here's how it looks. On this slide, we have at the, on terra firma, down there near the bottom of the slide, the ministry of evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which as we've said, is common to the modern church. Pretty much every church recognizes their need for evangelistic ministry, to reach the lost, to reach those that are outside of the family of God, and to bring them into, into a relationship with God. Then we recognize the need for pastors to give care to the people of God, teachers to instruct the people of God. But in the modern church, what is often missing is the ministry of the apostle, is the ministry of the prophet. And we're just saying that we need to not miss out on that. Because we need the supernatural. We need to hear from God. We need the flow of the Holy Spirit to empower us. We need to hear from heaven. One of the testimonies that I love hearing so much and reflecting on so much is Michelle and Paul. When, when, when we had, uh, after they, their first child was, was prematurely taken from them to heaven, uh, and, and so there was, there was a, a miscarriage, and, and it was such a tragic thing. And there was a group here a few weeks after that from Bethel Church in Redding, California. And those people were strangers to us as we were to them. And yet one of them prayed as Paula went forward for prayer. Michelle was not with them. That gentleman, through the power of, of the Holy Spirit, prophesied to him and said prophetically to him this. Your son is not lost. Your son is not lost. Now I want to ask the questions rhetorically. How did he know that he had a child? He was a guy just standing there. His wife wasn't with him. There was no baby there. How did he know that he had a child? How did he know that his child was a son? How did they know that there was a miscarriage? They couldn't have known that except through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so prophecy took place. Can you, can you, can you put yourself in their shoes? How comforting it is when you're grieving such a tragedy, such a loss. And then you hear from God himself saying, your son is not lost. Your son is found and here with me in heaven. What? And you know that you're going to see that son again. That's the power of the apostolic, of the prophetic, is bringing heaven down to our experience here on the earth. And so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to stop for a moment before we get in, uh, to a next major point in where we are. Uh, the, the, my main purpose for showing this slide again this week is to stop and to pray a prayer over these five ministries, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, okay? And so if you would, bow your head just for a moment, and uh, just let me lead us in prayer uh, for this. So Lord, we honor 
the callings and the ministries and the leadership personnel that we've given to your church. We honor the roles of teachers. We honor the roles of pastors. We honor the roles of evangelists. We honor the roles of prophets and apostles. Lord, we don't want to be without any one of these areas of ministry and without leaders that you would raise up among us uh, to be leading in these areas of ministry. So we honor these roles, Father. We understand from your word that from these, particularly the apostle and the prophet, flow miraculous works and words and the plans and purposes of heaven. And Lord, this thing that we're talking about, having a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us live our lives with that eternal perspective, with a heavenly view of this earthly life and with all the resources of heaven by looking to you and those that you raise up in, among your family, Lord, among your church, God. So for all of this, Lord, we welcome apostolic and prophetic ministry among us, Lord, as well as evangelistic and pastoral and teaching ministry among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for agreeing together in prayer today for what God is doing among us and how God is leading us. So we've been thinking about this apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry, and, and when we're thinking about it, I want to ask you a question, and I'm not going to ask this rhetorically. I'm going to ask you to kind of give me some feedback here. Who, in your mind, when you read the scriptures, would you say is the greatest apostle or the greatest prophet that you read about in the Bible, not just the New Testament, but also the Old Testament, the whole of the Bible, I want to ask you who you think is like the greatest prophet or the greatest apostle, okay? Come on, give me, give me some thoughts that you have. Speak Jesus. to me. Moses, great, great response. Jesus. Come on, guys, who's saying Jesus? Jesus. All right, Ezekiel, let's give some other words. Isaiah, Isaiah's a favorite of mine, I gotta tell you, bro. I love Isaiah. Jeremiah, I love, I love that Jessica said Jeremiah, because Jer she's a prophet, right? And she relates, I love that. Anybody else, anyone else would say? Elijah? Come on, I want to hear, there's one name I want to hear that I haven't heard yet. Paul, come on, like somebody's got to say Paul. How about John the Baptist? Jesus said there was no greater that ever lived than John the Baptist. But then he said, till the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God comes. So there, there might be another one. But th these are names, okay? I just want to say that those are all good answers. But those of you who said Jesus, you had the spot on answer, okay? I don't think there's any wrong answer in any of those. But I just want us to see the supremacy of Jesus in the realm of apostolic ministry and prophetic ministry. When you read about Jesus living on this earth and speaking to us on this earth, you see prophetic ministry. You can read passages, long passages like Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 and many other passages. And you can see that Jesus was consistently making prophetic statements. He was prophesying about the future. He was also prophesying about the present. You see, prophecy is not just about what's happening to come. It's about what God is doing right now, okay? So you're foretelling what God is saying, but you're also foretelling what God is saying with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see that Jesus is a prophet. 
Some of you might remember that Nathaniel was brought to Jesus by Philip. And when Nathaniel stood before Jesus, Jesus said to him, Here is an Israelite in whom there is no God. Okay? And what he's saying is, this is a Jewish uh, believer who has no descendant. Can you imagine Jesus saying that about you? That's kind of, I'd be like, well, that's pretty cool to hear, you know, from Jesus himself. And it's a real affirmation that Jesus gave Nathaniel. But Nathaniel asked him, how do you know me? You don't know me. And Jesus said, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. You see, that was an awesome thing where he had a personal prophecy. He was, and if any of you know the whole teaching uh, that's, that's been made so famous by uh, Chris Gallatin, uh, you know about gold digging. You know about seeing the gold that is in people and calling it out, affirming them in, in a supernatural way. And that's what Jesus did. He pulled out the gold from Nathaniel. He said, Nathaniel, I see you for who you really are. And he affirmed him very powerfully. And I think that that was a, a major impact in Nathaniel's life. But that was a personal prophecy that Jesus had for Nathaniel. So Jesus is the ultimate prophet. I'm not saying he was only a prophet. Obviously, he's the divine son of God. He's God who came in the flesh, okay? We understand that. He was worshipped by people, by angels. He's totally unlike an angel, totally unlike a prophet. But he also served in the role of a prophet in an ultimate sense. No greater prophet than the Lord Jesus, but also no greater apostle than the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, and, and here's the verse that I would like to look at uh, for us to see that. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. Hebrews 3, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, and by the way, you're holy if Jesus has made you holy. Amen? You can't be holy on your own. Only Jesus can make you holy through what he did for you on the cross. But I love that. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, there's the eternal again, right? Who share in the heavenly calling, set your focus on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in God's house. I love that he throws Moses in here. Because this is the book of Hebrews. It's written to the Hebrews in the New Testament day and age. Okay? So it's written to a Jewish audience. They're obviously very familiar with, with Moses. And they know that Moses was an Old Testament apostle, an Old Testament prophet. And he was faithful in God's house. And, and, and here Jesus is being introduced to them and says, look, as Moses was in the Old Testament, Jesus is in the New Covenant. He's bringing the New Covenant that was promised in the Old Covenant. And he is a faithful apostle and high priest that refers to right there. Now, you don't often hear about Jesus being an apostle. And really, it's only in this one verse in all of the New Testament that Jesus is specifically called an apostle. But it's, it's, it's conclusive enough. It's in the Word of God. He's, he's, he's identified as an apostle. But we can also look at his life. Because the word apostle means one sent as a messenger. Now when a guy named Charles Spear, who I've never met. I just happened to find uh, some writing from him. I have no idea who the guy is. I'll, know, I'll meet him in heaven, I'm sure. But when he was writing about the ministry of an apostle, 
He defined it or described it with these three things. He said that an apostle, to be an apostle, you must be sent by someone else. That's number one. Number two, you must be sent on a particular mission. And number three, you must be sent with sufficient power to accomplish the mission. Now, think of those three statements and then think of Jesus. Jesus was sent by the Father. He was sent to be the Savior of the world. There's the calling to a mission by someone else. There's the mission that he's going on. And he was sent with all the power and authority of heaven to accomplish his ministry, his mission. And so you've got Jesus, the ultimate apostle. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So are you with me this morning? Are you understanding this from the word of God? Jesus is the ultimate apostle. Jesus is the ultimate prophet. And if you want to have an eternal perspective, if you want to have a heavenly view of this life, according to the word of God, you must hear from apostles and prophets. But above all the apostles and prophets that Jesus gives his church, you must focus on the ultimate apostle, the ultimate prophet, to receive that, that eternal perspective, that heavenly view of life. Now, if you're with me so far, you know the first major point that I made after reviewing, you get us all the page from the last few weeks. If you're with me so far, just go, uh-huh, or yeah, or something like that. There we go, all right? But I want us to look now, and it, it's a kind of a depressing verse in the Bible. And maybe at first it would be really confusing. And I want us to look at this, at least it's surprising. Look at this verse in Mark chapter 6, verse number 5. So he, speaking of Jesus, could not perform any miracles there, except to lay his hands on a few of the sick people and heal them. So we're talking about the ultimate apostle, the ultimate prophet of God, the ultimate one who comes with all the resources of God. And in this verse, it describes him as being limited in his ability to perform all the miracles that he was performing in other towns and villages all around him. Jesus could not perform miracles here in this town as he did in other towns around him. And the question has to be asked, why? And verse 6 gives us at least part of the answer. Not the whole answer. We'll see the whole answer in a moment. But it gives us part of the answer. It says this in verse 6. Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. So the reason why this town didn't receive all the miracles and healings that another town did is because they didn't have the faith that those other towns did. That's a real encouragement to you to have faith, okay? For you to believe God for the miraculous, for the impossible, 
To not be low in your faith, but to be high in your faith. To know that you can trust God with anything. So if you're struggling to trust God with anything right now, if you're struggling to have faith, I just pray that God gives you kind of an injection. You just kind of, not with a needle, because I hate needles, but he just somehow injects into you a faith level that says to you, God is a God of the impossible. And I don't want to be a town that receives little from God because I have little faith. I want to be the town that receives much from God because I have much faith. Amen? Amen. For your life. Amen. So why did the people in this town not have faith as people in the other towns did? And this is where the fullness of the answer, why the, Jesus was limited in his ability to do miracles here. This gives the fullness of the answer. It's, it's, it's when you read not just that verse 6, but the verses 1 through 4, they give you the context. And there in verses 1 through 4, and I'm going to read this to you, it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown. So we find out that the town that he was not able to do miracles in was his hometown. And you think, wait a minute, he has home field advantage. He has hometown advantage. He should be able to do more miracles here. But listen to what happened. Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They actually took offense at him. They were bugged by him. They were bothered by him. I'm going to read on verse 4. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. So the initial reason we understand that he was limited in his, in his ministry in this particular town was because of their lack of faith. But why did they have a lack of faith? It's because they had a lack of honor. They had a lack of honor. They didn't honor Jesus as the ultimate prophet. They didn't honor Jesus as the ultimate apostle sent from God. They certainly at this point didn't honor him as the son of God who came to save the world from our sins. And he, they didn't have that kind of perspective. They looked down on him. Somebody says that familiarity breeds contempt. The reality is they grew up with him. They were like, who in the world does he think he is doing all these things? So instead of honoring him, they dishonored him. Instead of looking up to him, they looked down on him. Instead of looking to receive from him, they thought, what can he offer us? So the lack of faith came from a lack of honor. Why is it important for us to recognize this? Because one of the reasons why we sometimes have a lack of faith is because we're not taking Jesus seriously enough. We're not taking the word of God seriously enough. But remember that when Jesus was leaving this earth, he was pouring out his Holy Spirit on apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and all the people of God. He says, upon your, your manservants and your maidservants, upon your young and your old, upon all flesh, I will pour out my spirit. And sometimes we don't take that seriously. Sometimes we don't take seriously the 
outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the fact that every one of us can be a prophet, a priest, every one of us can do evangelistic ministry, pastoral ministry, all of us should be equipped to do the work of God. Sometimes we don't take ourselves seriously enough. Sometimes we don't take leaders in God's church seriously enough. Sometimes we focus just on the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers and we don't we don't give as much honor as we need to to the apostles and prophets in their ministry among us. But we need to do that. We need our apostle and prophet, the, the apostle, the ultimate prophet, Jesus. But we also need all of those ministries and ministers that Jesus establishes in his church. And so here's why we're seeing all that. The whole series that we're in right now is called this, and we borrowed the title from Danny Silk's book from Bethel Church. The whole series is called this, A Culture of Honor, Sustaining, How to Sustain a Supernatural Environment. The reality is, is if we're going to sustain a supernatural environment, if we're gonna live with the presence of God, if we're gonna live with God showing up and God being who he is and God doing what he alone does, then we have to have this culture of honor for God and for all that God establishes in us and among us. And when we have that culture of honor, it changes everything. And it all begins with the ultimate prophet and the ultimate prophet who is Jesus. The one who was sent from heaven to bring heaven to earth. I'm just going to say this to you. Jesus needs to always be the most honored guest at your table. Jesus always needs to be the most honored guest in your household. He needs to be the most honored guest in your life, wherever you're going, wherever you're coming from, in transport, wherever you are, wherever he is. It's like, Jesus, you lived for me, you died for me. The only thing that I can do with my whole life is to honor you. And a part of honoring him is to have faith in him, to believe in him. And so we honor him for the, for the reason that he is the ultimate. I want you, and if you want to take a picture of this next slide with all these passages of scripture, I didn't write them all out. I'm going to share them with you verbally. But you can write them down and, and have this in your own devotional this week. But listen to these verses that talks about Jesus who came from heaven with all the resources of heaven. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is the right, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In Hebrews 1 3, it talks about Jesus saying, He, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of the nature of God, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. If you want to get in touch with on high, if you want to get in touch with heaven, get in touch with Jesus. Can you say amen? The one who is there at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Listen to Acts chapter 2 verse 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has poured out the, the Holy Spirit that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So Jesus is in heaven. So get with Jesus and you'll be in heaven. He's at the Father's right hand. If you want to connect with the Father, connect with Jesus who is there with the Father. Can you say amen? It says here that he was exalted to pour out the Holy Spirit. If you want the Holy Spirit to be poured out in your life, the power
love of the Holy Spirit, then get with Jesus, and you'll have all the Holy Spirit that you need. Can you say amen? Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 says, And God raised Jesus, God raised us up with Christ Jesus, and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His knowledge to us in Christ Jesus. It says He raised us up with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. I love that. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love this. Revelation 3.21 says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And then Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I think this is a key passage among all these that I have on this slide. It says, if, you, if Colossians 3, 1 and 2, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So, folks, focus on Jesus. Be with Jesus. It's a delight to be with Him. Read about Jesus. Uh, think about Jesus. And if you do, He will get you into His presence. And He will get you focused on eternity. He will get you focused on eternity. We got eternity up there, up there right there. I don't know why it's taking so long. It's got to be some technical error. Just kidding. I'm just reminding the guys over there. Turn this off. Get focused on Jesus and you'll have all the earthly, eternal perspective you need. You'll have all the heavenly perspective you need. We need the apostles and prophets he gives us, but remember, he's the ultimate apostle and prophet. With your focus on him, looking at Jesus, focusing on Jesus, you'll have all the perspective that you need, all the resources of heaven that you need. Now, I love the passage of the apostle Paul in Philippians 1, verse 23 through 24, when he was talking about eternity. He says, I'm torn between the two. I, I would prefer, he said, to depart and be with Christ in eternity. He said, that's better by far. But then he said, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. I adore my wife. I adore my kids. And I adore my grandkids. And I really love you guys. I'm really happy here. But I'm just telling you this. I know that as good as this is, heaven is better. So I'm just telling you this. I would prefer right now to be in heaven than to be here right now. I would. I would. But you know why I'm not excited about being here right now? Is that God has a mission for me. And he has a mission for you. And the reason why I'm really content about being here right now is because I'm on a mission. And that mission is focused, the ultimate destination of that mission is eternity. I want to be in eternity with Jesus. And I don't want to go alone. I want to bring some others. And I just want to ask you this. I want you to think about this in your own heart. Are you on a mission? Are you on a mission on this earth? Is this, is this life only about this life? Or is there, is there an eternal perspective that rings 
powerfully into your ears and into your mind and into your view that on a consistent basis that says, you know what? This life comes and goes. It's so short. And if my whole focus is just on this little part of, of my whole existence, then I, it's not really doesn't measure up too much. But I'm going to use this little, little bit of time that I have so that I can invest it all in a total eternity that is to come. And the only way you can do that, that kind of perspective is to, is to be a woman on a mission. To be a man on a mission, okay? I'm sorry. I know it didn't work for women. I, I like the expression man on a mission, but I had to kind of see if I could make it work first for the, for the ladies among us. Because there's some ladies on a mission in this house. Come on, ladies. Can you say amen? amen. Are there some men on a mission in this house? Yeah. Man. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, speaking of being on a mission, we've been focusing on the ladies' God encounter. Because it's the first one to come this coming weekend. But right on the heels of the women's God encounters, the men's God encounter. I've never been more excited. I love God encounters. They're, they're like highlights in my life. I love them. I've never been more excited about the ones coming up. I'm just thrilled about what God is setting us up for. And I'm just going to encourage every one of you men that can go, that you would go in this men's God encounter, especially if you've never been before. But I'm going to say this. If there's no way that you can go, you pray about it, you think about it, you realize there's no way that you can go, then we're, we're, we're just going to invite you to come to the next one, which is in September, and you can be a part of that. And by the way, if Jesus ends his whole program here on the earth between now and September, that'll be the ultimate God in heaven, okay? That'll be the ultimate God in heaven. But I just want to say this to you guys. If you're a guy on a mission, we're going to meet immediately after church. I want all the guys to meet me up in the front. Hey, there's my grandson. Hi, Ezekiel. You want to come sit with me? Yeah, here. Hey, my grandson. that he gives us to equip us for the works of 
of service and for unity and for fullness in God. But in all of that, again, ultimately we honor the, the, the ultimate apostle and prophet that we read about in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. And to, to, to honor him, I want to give some practical ways. If you would, turn to the last slide. Some practical ways to really focus on Jesus. Number one, and if you, if, you, if you don't know this, I want you to write it down. But if you know it, I want you to be reminded of it. And I want you to do something about it this week. Get into the Word of God. This year, I'm doing Nikki and, and uh, Pippa Gum Gumbel from Alpha in UK. I'm doing their Read the Bible Through in a Year, and I'm loving it. I've missed, I don't know, a handful of days so far this year uh, of reading the entirety of those passages, because I've been reading in other places and things like that, doing some other stuff. And I just haven't gotten really religious about it or, you know, condemning about it. I just know that by the end of the year, I'll read more of the Word of God than I would if I wouldn't be on that, on that, on that program through uversion.com. Just encourage me. Get into the Word of God. If you get into the Word of God, you'll be able to focus on Jesus because the whole of the Word of God is about Jesus. But then, if you would, around Embassy Church, come on a Sunday, but also pray if God would enable you to bring another person with you from time to time on a Sunday morning. Get involved in a women's family group, a men's family group. Jump into a God encounter weekend. These are all ways you could focus on Jesus. Danny and Karis, those were two of the most amazing testimonies for God encounter weekends. And JoJo last time, amazing stuff that you all shared. And so thank you for all that. So plug into a family group if you can. Plug into a God encounter. Plug in to uh, Sundays, what, what God is doing here. And then the big thing that I've been you know, really reminding us of the last month is we, please, please don't think our service starts at 11. I don't, we don't want to confuse you because our worship starts at 11, but we start our service at 1030. And the reason why I'm just reminding you of that is not to make you feel guilty if you've been coming at 11. In fact, to be honest with you, I could care less if you come at 11 for the rest of your life, okay? If you come at 11, it's better than not coming. Come at 12. I don't, just come whenever, right? And and, and if you miss come the next week, you know, we're not under condemnation. But we are, we are trying to respond to how God is leading us. And we really feel like God is leading us to start at 1030 with prayer. And we gather right up front. And I'm just going to encourage you. The greatest thing you could do is pray. Get to David's tent. Be with them. It's 24-7 down there on the mall. Come into our prayer room. You can get the, the, the code from us. Spend time in prayer here. Anytime that you want. Um, 24-7, anytime. Uh, pray, pray on your own, where you are in your house. Pray with your family. And try not to be too distracted by this little guy. And uh, I'm just joking because I'm distracted by it. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm focused. But isn't he cute? I, I, I won't do this again. I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> you guys are liking it too, right? And uh, I just want to encourage you. Get on the team. We're here for eternity. We're not here for all eternity, but we're here for the sake of eternity. We're here for the purpose of eternity. We're here to make a difference in Washington, D.C. But it's not just us. It's the churches and ministries around us. It's National Community Church and Restoration Church and, 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 and Citizen Heights and all these other places around us. 
Pi Alpha, David Smith. We, we're all here to make a difference in this city. And so let's plug in. Let's all get our hands on, uh, you know, get, get, up, get up on deck uh, where we can work for the Lord, you know. Serve the Lord with gladness and, 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 and just, just get plugged in. And, and again, I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to give. God's going to take care of it all. Look at what God is doing among us. All of you are here by the calling of God. And we've only just seen the beginning, I still believe. And God's got a whole lot more in store for us. He's got so many, many resources for us from heaven. We want more prophecies. We want more healings. We want more of what God is going to do. Whatever it is, we want to plug in. Can you say amen? All right, I'm going to end with this. Wow, I thought it was 1230 this morning. That's okay. 1230. My sister has been dying for the last, uh, since mid-November, I think. They said that she has between zero and four months to live. And about three weeks ago, they called us to her side and said, you better come. She hasn't, she's not eating, she's not drinking, and we can tell them that she's gone. Well, that was three weeks ago, and she's not only still alive, but she just had cereal this week. She just ate a banana this week. Um, and I forget, they mentioned some other stuff that she's eaten this week. One thing was like, I, I said, is she allowed to eat that? It was something really kind of acidic, like some kind of Italian food. I'm like, why did she, she eat Italian food? And, and by the way, that's my favorite food. Okay? And, uh, all I'm saying is, I know you're praying, I thank you for your prayers. I, I have no problem, except for a lot of heartache, that I know I'll get over when, when, in, in the light of eternity. But if the Lord wants my sister to go to heaven now, we've already crossed. If that's for her greatest good, we, we, we accept that. But you know what I feel like the Lord is saying to us? You've always put it before me to believe me for a miracle. How about if I teach you a little bit on this life? How about if I show you that, that she's going to do some things that they never, like already we have a miracle. She's not healed that we know of at this point. She's not healed. It's, 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 it's uh, pancreatic cancer, metastasized to the liver, and then to the brain. But she's coherent as could be. And she was delirious. She didn't make sense. And now she's talking in not only full sentences, but paragraphs. All I'm saying is, I want to live in an apostolic realm. I want to live in an apostolic tree. I want God to be glorified. I don't want to look down on Jesus. I don't want to think less of Jesus or expect less of Jesus. I know that the ultimate healing is going to heaven. I'm not playing games with God. I'll accept whatever His will is, but I'm not going to stop believing in healings and miracles and all of that. And I know you're not. Why? Because they bring glory to God. They get the attention of people. And they, and they bring the attention to Jesus. So what we're going to do right now is say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump. Help them to get along better. We thank you for the Supreme Court justices. We thank you, Lord, for congressmen and men. We thank you, Lord, for senators. We thank you for all of them. And our prayer is that you, Jesus, be the most famous in this city. When people not think about the Republicans and the Democrats, when they think about Washington, D.C., more than they think about Jesus. Jesus, come to Washington, D.C. Move into the city, God. And Lord, for you to be able to move into the city, you have to move into your people and your people's houses, including their houses of worship. So Lord, move into our house, God. Move into our lives. Be glorified. Show yourself for who you are. 
You're a mighty God. Jesus, you're the healer. You're the deliverer. You are the 